When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Hey, what's up, Kings fans? We're back with another episode of the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the unofficial podcast of Rink Royalty. You can find us on Twitter at Rink Royalty or Royalty underscore pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and I think we're trying to bring back MySpace as well. We have an awesome show lined up for you today. <laughs> Before we bring in our guest, uh, let's check in with our panel. I'm your host, Ryan Sykes. Uh, Scott Kinville is going to join us a little bit later. Um, joined by uh, co-host Russell Morgan. Russ, how are you doing tonight? Hey, what's going on, Ryan? Excited for this one. I know. I've been looking forward to it. So Absolutely. without further ado, I'm going to bring in our guest. He is the editor-in-chief for the fourth period, Mr. Dave Penyota. Dave, how are we doing? I'm good, boys. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So I just want to jump just right into it. Um, you know, just tell us your kind of your background, um, how you got involved with the fourth period. We want to hear all about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, um, <clears throat> uh, I, I suck as a player. Um, so <laughs> I knew that option was out. Uh, wasn't good. Uh, got into hockey actually a little bit late. Um, big baseball guy and, and, and soccer growing up. Um, but uh, knew that I just absolutely loved the sport growing up in Montreal. Um, it, it, it was easy to catch on. Um, so I always loved it and uh, wanted to figure out a way to get involved in, in some capacity. 
and um, decided to kind of backdoor it and just see if I could create a website that is dedicated to hockey, but um, kind of focuses on specific elements of, of things. I wasn't going to analyze every game at the time and, um, you know, go through that, that stuff. So I, I tried figuring out what's a good way to, what's going to attract people and, you know, juicy rumors and, and, you know, trade speculation and, and stuff like that um, was kind of the ticket at the time. And uh, just started the website um, towards the end of high school, actually. And oh, wow. yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Um, <laughs> and uh, it just kind of kept go- growing and, and growing from there. And back then, you know, early 2000s, uh, this was, you know, you have a website, it's, it's, it, you know, podcasts and, and blogs and stuff didn't really exist back then. Um, so you were kind of, quote unquote, legit, um, if, if you had some kind of site, so I would apply for credentials, and I would get them. Um, and then they would see this like, 19 year old kid walking in going, who the hell's this guy? <laughs> uh, um, with a deep voice that always worked out like I would call teams and try to get interviews and stuff like that. And, and I, I kind of have a deep voice. So they would call back. And if I were in school, they'd leave messages on my answering machine with my mom as the voice, like we're not home right now, leave a message. And they would leave like GMs and, and agents and stuff like that would do it. So um, just kind of got in, into it that way. And, and I just kind of grew from there. Um, and, you know, we started doing print with, with the magazine, which is still going and, and radio and a few other elements and things that, that I would tie to. I did some stuff with NBC on the digital side and, and a few others. And then, once this really started to pick up, I just kind of focused in on this and, um, you know, the mag is all lifestyle driven and, uh, we, we've got a good like combination and, uh, we started doing events as the years progressed. And, um, we do a player gifting suite at the awards and all-star game every year. We do all the player parties and all kinds of other stuff. That's way behind the scenes that, that we don't really, you know, kind of publicize too much, but, um, we do that and, uh, just, it's just continued to, to grow and, and um, we're doing a lot more video now, uh, which is, which has been part of it as well. So um, big, small nutshell, that's kind of how things started and and, kind of grew. We had uh, your buddy on Dennis Bernstein on uh, a couple of months ago now, Russ, Mm -hmm. it's it's been a while. Um, I forgot to ask him on the podcast though, how he actually got involved with the fourth period. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, DB's awesome. Um, he was texting me before this. He's at the Islander game right now. Um, oh, he is? <laughs> yeah, Lucky so, guy. yeah, traveling around, and, and he's doing that. I think game four as well. Um, but he was writing for another site at the time. I, I think it was in the crease or something like that. I can't really remember. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, we did some stuff with them, and we had some ads on their site and whatnot. And he kind of just reached out and was like, you guys need another writer. And it just kind of started from there. And... Um, kind of took off and, and, and evolved. And I think it was like, we hadn't, we'd spoken for years and, and, and worked together for years, but I mean, he's in LA, I'm, I'm, I'm in Toronto and um, we hadn't met in person until I want to say 2006, whenever the draft and awards were in Vancouver that same year. Um, so we met at the airport <laughs> And that's the first time we ever we actually met in person a couple of years after starting together and working out together. And uh, it just kind of just evolved, evolved from there. And, and um, 
still still going strong and he's awesome and he does some great work and he's doing a bunch of other stuff too um with with uh kings of you know he's he's got all the kings coverage that he does and and he does some stuff with nhl network and and with our show as well on nhl network so it's been um it's been it's been awesome he's great and he's sending me some messages about the crowd and stuff like that at the Islander games as we speak. So <laughs> he's enjoying himself. Next, they're what, like max capacity now or close to it at least? Close. I, th- I think they're 13,000. I think was, yeah. was the number today. Over 13,000. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard to keep track. It seems like it changes daily, which is a good thing. And, mm-hmm. Keep um, going. But up, you're, be good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you're, you're you just noted that you're based out of Toronto. I mean, what's this whole uh, year? Has, what's it been like for you? Yeah, it, it's been it's been difficult. Um, like everyone else, it's been a challenge. Um, you know, we had to kind of adjust on the fly a little bit. Um, you know, we, we, we just have our mag coming back, um, you know, 10 years, 11 technically now. Um, but we took a little over the work, maybe 12, 13 months in between print issues. And um, we had to stop because, you know, all our all the clients all paused their, their campaigns and things like that. So from the ad side of things, there's, we just couldn't run it. Um, so we, we kind of took a step back and tried to pivot a little bit and go into the video stuff. You know, we were one of the few that were allowed access to the, within the bubbles, um, bubble 2.0. We weren't in the main bubble with the players, but you know, here in Toronto and then in Edmonton, we were, we were given access and we were able to go to them. And, and I did 74 games in whatever it was, 30 <laughs> some odd, 60, whatever, so 60 days or whatever it was, um, uh, uh, catching hockey. And throughout the conference final and final, we started doing video content. And again, we actually started doing video way back when, like we, when we started the magazine, we started doing videos and it was just way too early at the time. And we had some, some cool guys with us doing content and, you know, Tim Taylor and, and Jeff O'Neill and a few others actually started doing stuff with us. Um, and then we had to, kind of stopped doing it. So we actually brought it back in the bubble and it, it was awesome. Uh, we had some, the audience has been great and um, the content was fun. We were able to, you know, piss off a team with some breaking news as well uh, out in Vegas. So that was fun. Um, and uh, we kept it going now. So it, it's been, it's been tough. Like it's, it's a totally different beast here in Canada, specifically in Ontario. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's been tough um, just from a personal standpoint and everybody here it's, it's have, you know, kind of been dealing with a bunch of stuff um, being locked up and stay at home orders and all that crap, but it's hopefully loosening up. Um, we're way behind you guys. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I was actually, I was doing my homework um, on you just a little bit before we started here. And I was watching an interview with you on the Matt, Matthew Barnaby unfiltered back in May. Oh, yeah. 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and you're kind of talking about how things are starting to open up again. That's when we were kind of in the midst of all this stuff. So it's, I don't want to use the word funny, but it's just, uh, it's weird how it kind of all circled back. Yeah. It, it like, it's, it, the summer was nice. And then mm. fall hit and everybody, it just kind of regressed up here. And, um, uh, I mean, everything's kind of political. So, you know, those guys are trying to keep one side happy, another side happy, themselves happy. There's an election next year, so they want to be reelected. So all this crap kind of comes into play. But um, I'm hoping, at least for us up here, that it's 
it's it's finally trending in in the right direction. The numbers are down, and um, you know it makes things difficult for players too. Like I, I I know a bunch of guys that live around the area that are like we're not coming back this off season until you know things are much more open and we can have a, a normal or as close to a normal off season as we normally would. Uh, so it's been tough on a lot of guys. Yeah, you. Um, there's been a lot of exciting hockey also going on out there yeah. just lately. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just before we we got on here, there was some breaking news in terms of the the game last night between the the Canadians and the the Winnipeg Jets uh, yep. regarding that Mark Shifley hit. So we just found out he was suspended four games for the hit. Uh, kind of just want to get your thoughts on the suspension and the hit itself. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's a variety. I've, I've been trying to dissect this as much as I can and um, since it happened. Um, and we did an initial post-game reaction to it with Irf and, and Aaron, uh, Aaron Ward. Um, and, you know, the, the hit itself, if we take out everything else, the hit itself is actually it's a decent hit. Um, mm-hmm. But everything that leads up to it, is what I had a problem with and clearly what the league had a problem with. So, you know, charging is interesting. Uh, He went the full length of the ice almost. And yeah, he stopped taking strides at about the top of the circle, but he was still going full speed ahead. And when he realized he couldn't get the puck, he just was like, all right, the hell with this. I'm just going to knock this guy clean, which is, I think, kind of the mindset in the beginning, but... You know, you could see, like, I know the guy. I know Mark, Mark Shifley. And um, this is the furthest kind of thing that he would he would do on a regular basis. Pretty sure um, this is his first defense, right? It is. Think, yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and look, the dude's a hockey nerd. Like, eat, sleep, drink, poop, everything. It's all hockey. <laughs> like, 24-7. Um, you know, he's always trying to better himself. That, that's all he focuses on. Um, he changed his whole uh, eating regimen to, to – be a, a, as peak of, a, of an athlete condi- conditionally as he, as he could be. Um, and he's a good guy. He's, he's a great guy. He does a lot of charity work. He does all that stuff. And, and this was a mental lapse in judgment for him. And um, I'm not defending the hit because I think it, what he got is warranted. Um, but I'm just trying to paint the picture that sometimes you could be the nicest guy in the world. And if something throws you off, you can have that moment where you just lose it. And he looked clearly frustrated in that game. And I think – the actions that he took, he had a roughing penalty before that. Um, and, you know, he, he was just running around a little bit too much, which is uncharacteristic of him. Um, but I think that played a factor. The fact that he went almost a full 200 all, all the way up the ice, um, didn't play the puck, just leveled him. That whole combination, I think, led to the suspension. Now, I thought it was going to be two games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't see an issue with four, but I, I didn't think the league was going to go that far. Playoff suspension, guys. Like that's yeah. it's it's double what, like regular season or or half of what you know. If you're getting two games in the playoffs, you're getting four or five in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So he's he's getting four now. This is like an eight ten game suspension in the regular season. So um, warranted. Is he the type of guy to do that? No, but he's got to live with it now. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people kind of talk about. Well, it's like look where he started and all this. I mean, and from where he started his stride or whatever back in his own zone or right. in the Canadian zone. But the, the thing that I, he's not actually decided he's make that he's going to make that hit in the half zone. I mean, he doesn't right actually make, decide to make the hit until he's probably past his own faceoff circle. So, um, but in terms of the hit itself, like you mentioned, it's a good hit, but yeah. in this in a different setting. 
yeah, maybe maybe he might just get a fine for it. I don't know, but four games is quite a bit. Yeah, like I said, I I was I thought it would be two, maybe three. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the four. Like again, yeah, he's he's not like when he first takes off in the hab zone, he's not thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna level this. Yeah, team. like he's not thinking that. But I think there was enough time once he passed the blue line and approached the circle and then continued when he stopped actually taking strides. There's enough time there to realize, crap, I'm not going to be able to get this puck. They're going to score. So he's got to make a a decision at that moment. And I think the frustration that he would have been showing throughout the game, once he got to that circle, I mean, it's maybe a second before he levels them. uh, You still have enough time. You could ease up even just a little. You're still going to wreck the guy. Yeah. But it might not have been as as bad, so um, it, it's it's tough. And mm-hmm. and if people are saying, well, he left his feet and this and that, and he didn't. I mean, the the actual point of contact, he's he's his skates are on the ice, so that's that's nothing. I mean, they get lifted because when you check somebody, your momentum's taking you. Mm-hmm. So that's if you've ever hit anybody, that's it's okay. Your feet are going to eventually go up. Yeah, and I was just trying to – I was pulling up a, a tweet that you sent earlier. The the Jets coach, Paul Maurice, um, he said it was a clean hit. He actually said it was a hell of a hit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> clean, clean, if we're just talking about the actual hit, yes, the hell of a hit. I, I have to go back and watch um, – because I, I, was, I was watching it live. I have to go back and make sure – like I was 99% sure that's what he said, but I had to go back later to make sure that that really was what he said. And I, I got a bit of an issue with that. Like, you know, he even said Jake Evans, you know, good on him for taking the hit. Well, mm-hmm. he, he didn't know it was coming. Like I get it. Yeah. You got to keep your head up to certain, certain points, but I mean, you're trying to close out the game. So you're expecting to you're, – you're just going around and, and, and trying to wrap that into the net. You're not thinking that somebody's coming 100 miles an hour yeah. and is, you know, about to rock you. So um, the the onus ultimately when you're – because he had that entire time, Shifley did, to think about it. He could have had his head up, Evans, but he's trying to make that play. The onus nowadays has to be on the guy delivering the hit as well. You know mm-hmm. if that guy's vulnerable or not. And I think that played a factor into the suspension. Kind of the, the un, unsung hero of that whole sequence was Nikolai Ehlers. That, that yeah. It's already an iconic photo of him walling off everyone so pe- nobody fell on Evans. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, Nick's a great dude. And, and even the linesman was, was like kind of over top a little bit because I, I guess he didn't realize that Ehlers was doing it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, dude's out cold. Glad somebody recognized to kind of mm-hmm. keep yeah. everyone – away and I think you know what I think that actually helped in terms of um the Habs players just letting loose on Shifley at that time so I think they recognized that you know Ehlers was a holding everybody back to protect Evans but at the same time if he has to do that to protect the player then something's really wrong mm-hmm. so it's kind of like you're, you're you're showing immediate respect for the guy for helping out your teammate but then you're also going well what's going on with my guy and mm-hmm. I think that helped cool the immediate incident from really boiling over. Cause I mean, Shea Weber and Joel Edmondson wanted to rip the guy's head off. And in the moment, I can't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and sorry, Russ, you, uh, you just mentioned it, Dave, but he's eligible to come back in game six. If it gets to that point, 
yeah. you see that becoming like a Tom Wilson situation where the puck drops and they immediately drop no. gloves? <laughs> um, <laughs> not game two. Uh, maybe, maybe game uh, yeah, six. Yeah, if they if they get it if they get it to a game six and Shifley's back, I could uh, see them dropping the gloves. Just I, I don't think it'll be the opening draw. Um, you know, depends how the game goes. Maybe later on in the game, like Jeff Petrie came out and said, like we've talked about what we should do, how to get back at them, and the best way to get back at them is just to beat them. Yeah, like just end their season. So they've got three more wins to do that. Um, I originally had the Habs in six before Shifley's out, so I- I'm not sure. I'm one of the few people that apparently picked the Habs, but um, <laughs> I I I don't know if it'll get to that. With to not have Mark Shifley in there, the way that the Habs played, I mean, it wasn't a fluke. Like Montreal played the same way the three previous games against Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know, they came out flying. The Leafs didn't know what to do, and the Habs got out on front. And then they kind of stepped back a little bit. Um, the Jets didn't really know how to handle that. So I, I'm curious if Montreal continues that uh, next game. Then it, it might be a, a short series. I don't think it'll be a sweep, but. Um, this might be over before Shifley steps back on the ice. Yeah. To get some more of your, you just mentioned you have the Habs winning in six. I mean, they just played a pretty eventful series against the Maple Leafs. Kind of want to get your your thoughts on the goings-on in Toronto. (laughs) A lot of crazy stuff going on this offseason. A lot of crazy talk. Yeah. um, Toronto fans are nuts, man. Like, (laughs) they're crazy. Yeah. I thought the Stephen A. Smith comparison to the Dallas Cowboys was spot on. I mean, I've been As, saying that to everybody I meet that doesn't really watch hockey. That I mean, <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs are always a team that's destined to be good, and then they just always falter right at the beginning. Um, as a Cowboys fan, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, I sympathize, and it also really hurt. Um, <laughs> But Stephen A has been pretty funny with that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, just real quick, Dave, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, a Cubs fan, so I kind of was okay. used to that before 2016. Right. So, I mean, the the Maple Leafs have got to be <laughs> approaching that finality here soon, right? <laughs> I, I yeah, I hope so for their sake. Um, <laughs> look, this I, I get, I get, you know, Montreal the way that they played them was was perfect, um, and they shut down the top unit. And, the rest of the guys couldn't get going. Now, Toronto's depth is decent, but, you know, Joe Thornton's lost a couple steps. Wayne Simmons is only 31, but he's he's lost a step as well. Um, you know, Jason Spezza was their contributor, but he shouldn't be the guy going out there playing 18 minutes. Not anymore. So the core of this team indicates that they should still be able to get there. Um, their window is still open by mm-hmm. it's wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got, they got to figure out a few things like all this trade Marner crap and all that stuff. If you look at the numbers and look at the way that Marner performed, I, up until this season, he's been their best player. He was their best player last year. He was the best player the year before. He's the reason, you know, uh, uh, John Tavares got 40 goals in his first year in Toronto. Um, he's a big reason why Austin Matthews led the league in scoring this year. Um, he's, he's an underrated offensive player cause he's more of a playmaker and he's a ridiculously underrated two-way player. He's a really good defensive minded player. Um, overall, I think he's their best player, quite frankly. 
uh, yeah. when you when you take everything into account, defensive responsibilities, uh, forecheck, backcheck, neutral zone, um, offensive awareness. Like he should shoot the puck a little bit more, but you've got Austin, so he doesn't really have to. But like overall, encompassing everything that hockey has to offer, he's their best player. Austin's their best offensive player, and he's also a little underrated from a defensive side of things, although I think he would prefer just to focus on offense. Um, but you've got that. You've got Tavares. Um, you've got Morgan Riley for another year. You've got Jack Campbell, who woke up and, and got his career going. Um, and he's an awesome dude, by the way. Um, they have solid pieces in place, but I think they went a little too old when they were trying to get more physical. You know, what Tampa did great last year was they brought in physical players that can keep up with the pace of play of today's NHL in getting Barkley Goodrow and getting uh, Blake Coleman out of Jersey, Goodrow out of San Jose. So you need those types of moves to help complement the rest of your roster. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, but, I mean, they do the right moves. This team is right back in contention. Uh, I know you go back to the divisional alignments, they, they go back to normal. But when you've got two of the best players in the league, you should be able to to challenge for a cup when you've got other strong pieces in place. Unlike Edmonton, mm-hmm. their cupboard is bare. they gotta, they got to fill it. <laughs> um, Toronto has some really strong complementary pieces. they just got to add some more and the right ones. Yeah, Edmonton does, definitely does have some work to do in the offseason. Um, but just to kind of get your final thoughts on the postseason so far, uh, yep. who are your picks to – go to the finals and eventually take it, take it all. Uh, beginning of the season, I had Tampa over Vegas. I had a repeat. Um, I like Tampa uh, a lot. I, I think they're, I'm sticking with that pick. I, I, even when the playoffs started, I was sticking with, with uh, Vegas, Tampa. Um, mm-hmm. But holy crap, Colorado's good. <laughs> they, <laughs> they are, are so good. They're like, so good. Man, they're just, they're good. They're relentless. Um, and they're stepping it up a couple notches. Like, this is another team like, we talked about the Leafs got to do and, and other teams that contend. Like they added a guy in Brandon Saad who's not even 30 yet, I think, or he's right there. Yeah, he's but he's, got, he's mm-hmm. got a cup, um, you know, under his belt. He's got that experience. You know, they added Burakovsky, who young, 25, 26, whatever he is, but he won a cup with Washington. Like you're bringing in these, these extra pieces to round out your top nine, and they've got that wedding, winning pedigree. Uh, it's, they're so good. I, I don't know if Vegas can come back from 2-0. Um, I, but, I mean, either way, I'm sticking with Tampa, at least in that, in the one side. Um, if it's not Vegas, it'll be, it'll be Colorado because the, the winner of that is going to play the winner of Habs Jets. And regardless of who it is, that team's done. <laughs> I, think so too. Yeah. I think so, too. I think so, yeah, too. Yeah, and McKinnon's goal, the sixth goal, in oh, game one, yeah. I can't I can't repeat what you tweeted, Dave, on air. <laughs> yeah. But that was something else. Oh man, he is just like that's what I mean, like taking it up a notch. Like uh, he hit speed burst and mm-hmm. and whatever they fast and furious that nos that they like he's got that in his back in his butt because that like he just was like flying everywhere. Um, and there's more to, like we're going to see more of that in these playoffs. Like he's going to just say, all right. I'm going to roll with this on this play and you guys just try to keep, keep up. Like he, he's that, that type of a player. And that's why, like, I don't know if Vegas can, can get back into the swing of this. Um, 
but Colorado is just, they're so good and so dangerous. And, and Nate's just like, again, different level. Kale McCarr's kind of stepped up his game too. That's, and that's, yeah. And that's another one. Like I, how many times has he faked the guy out? I know. And then (laughs) come around and then taking a shot. Like he was in the Kings division. So we saw it quite a bit. Right. That's true. That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, and it's so hard to be like, okay, well he does this a lot. So be prepared for it. So if you're not prepared, you're going to get burned either way. Cause he's so good. And he's another quick player. Um, I, I mean, I think he's got a Norris in his future at least once. Uh, he's, he's just tremendous. And, and the defensive side of his game is going to improve as the years progress. This is going to be a good team for a long time. I, I loved what he said uh, a few uh, post games ago about his playoff beard. He's like, this is 12 days guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't expect much from me. <laughs> yeah. He's being honest. You know, there's, there's only, I think Taves, Taves was another guy I think in the, in the early going of his career where he couldn't, he just wasn't old enough to, to grow anything. So um, yeah. Russ actually shaved this morning. So yeah, right. This, this <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. Five That's already come up. Yeah. Full nice. beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, transitioning, we are an LA Kings podcast, so I guess we should talk about them a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the rumors were already swirling about Jack Eichel as soon as the season ended. I wanted to get your thoughts on, um, I guess, where do you think, does he get dealt? Are the Kings involved? Um, What's his his price tag? All that stuff. Yeah. Um, from the Kings' perspective, they were involved. Um, I don't know if they still are definitively right now, to be honest with you. I know they were. They had conversations. They had legit conversations with the Sabres about Jack Eichel. Um, so much so that, according to the people I've spoken to, they were internally discussing and mapping out different trade offers and scenarios of what deals would look like. Um I don't think there's an appetite to move Quinton Byfield, even if it's, you know, for Jack Eichel in, in it, because it's going to take more than, than Byfield to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's an appetite to do that. And if that's the case, I don't think there's enough to entice the Sabres to make something happen. Um, could be wrong. This, this may, and it may evolve. Like the Sabres may get to a point where, there's just no end in sight. They're not going to be able to keep this guy around because it's just not going to work in the room more so than anything, even though they, they still control him. Um, it would, it would, it's almost better to move him if it gets to that boiling point. Um, then maybe things change. Uh, but I would imagine you're probably looking at, you know, a Turcotte, uh, uh Initially, my belief was something along the lines of Turcotte, Byfield, the first and then the second. Oh, that's a big price. That's, yeah, that's mm-hmm. deep. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, if it's not Byfield and you're still willing to do a Turcotte first, second, what's that other piece? Um, and it was, it was a little, it was larger than that, but like, I think there was a roster player and, and then something else from Buffalo. So, regardless, I don't think that's still on the table right now. I think the Sabres, I think Rob Blake will circle back and say, hey, all right. Draft orders figured out. Um, you guys are figuring out your stuff. Where are we on this? Because uh, there are going to be not just them, but there are going to be other teams that are going to do that. Calgary, Anaheim, uh, Mini to a certain extent. Um, the Rangers to a certain extent, I, although I'm not, I, I don't think that's the final destination. Um, there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to look, but it'll change. So 
the Sabres and, and, and um, Eichel, I think, are either meeting – they either met yesterday or the meeting tomorrow – or sorry, today or the meeting tomorrow or sometime soon to get an update onto the status of, of what he wants to do and then what the team feels is right. So in the next few days here, we should have a better indication as to what the update is overall with Jack Eichel from a health perspective. That's number one. I mean, if he's not going to be healthy, then he's not going to get traded regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't see a scenario where this can get fixed. It just doesn't sound like it in terms of the relationship. Um, so we'll see what ends up, up happening. But uh, I'm sure the Kings are going to cycle back on it. But I know they, things kind of cooled off for a little bit recently. There are two players that kind of expressed their frustration in the, the Buffalo um, exit interviews in Sam Reinhart, Erasmus, Ristolainen. I oh. guess – do you see, do you see Buffalo as kind of like a uh, an offloading site <laughs> this off season? <laughs> um, yes and no, because uh, I think a lot of it depends on what they want to do with 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 Jack. So, you know, um, Ristolainen's got one year left. He's in trade talks every friggin' year, so I feel for the yeah. guy. Um, but you know, he's got he's got a year left. So at the very least for him, year ends, he can go wherever he wants after. Reinhardt's an RFA. So it's a, it's a little trickier there. I think if you trade him, his value is going to like it, it's high. His 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 trade value is is very very high right now for the numbers that he was able to produce this season on the team that he was able to produce it with. Um, so maybe that's an option for a few teams. I'm not sure. Um, you know if if LA's in there or not, but um, I suspect you're going to see some teams looking at that. It wouldn't surprise me to see all three of them go. I'd be a little maybe closer to shocked if all three go. I wouldn't be surprised because of all the chatter. Um, but they could – Buffalo has an opportunity to remedy this quickly. And and by quickly, I mean it's not going to be a seven-year rebuild all over again because it's already been way too freaking long. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if they trade the right – like they don't have to trade for futures. This could be a, a, an immediate type of deal where you're getting an NHL-type player, a guy who's on the cusp, and then some – some good but complimentary piece like a first round pick or something that they can either flip or use later on if they want to. So Buffalo's in a good position, especially now that they're going to draft first overall. Um, but I suspect there's going to be some movement. And, you know, after the Kings landed the eighth overall pick last night, I was kind of just digging around looking at previous eighth overall picks to see what type of players um, were drafted and what they are now. And interestingly, both, Nylanders were drafted eighth yep. overall. Um, <laughs> Zach Wierenski was drafted eighth overall, but I noticed that Buffalo was like four or five out of the last 10 years, eighth overall, just kind of a weird dynamic that they keep getting that pick. Yeah. I think it was Ristolainen. Yep. Yeah. He, he was an eighth mm-hmm. overall pick as well. I think he was, I think Middlestat was. Yeah, he was. Yep. Uh, Jack Quinn last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. They got a lot of, lot of interesting pieces i'm just it's just interesting that they haven't been able to just put it all together is is the real problem i mean now they're yeah. gonna have the number one overall and probably owen power so you add that players to the mix i mean eventually this is all going to come together for that team right it, i mean and that's and that's why if you're moving guys like jack eichel or sam reinhardt you, you need to get immediate return or at least one of the main pieces has to be an immediate piece that can step in right away you know if i'm la and 
or if I'm if I'm Buffalo talking with LA, I'm looking at the roster going, okay, it's probably going to be Kempe, um, probably, but you know I would ask for Turcotte, I would ask for Bjornfoot, I would ask for other, like a bunch of other pieces that are right on the cusp um, to be to be part of of whatever the return is if I'm the Sabers. Um, so, and the same thing for someone else. Like I know, I know Philly's got some interest in Sam Reinhardt, for example. So, you know, is, is it, is it a connecting? Is it, um, a, a deal that centers around Nolan Patrick, but there's going to have to be a lot more there because he's, you know, hasn't really reached his potential or, or maybe he's regressed. I'm not sure, but, um, there, there's going to be some interesting movement this off season. I think the Sabres are certainly going to be a team that's going to be making a few of those. And uh, just last for the the Kings, you know, two areas that they probably need to upgrade this off season or off season, excuse me, top six forward, left side defenseman. Give us maybe two players that they either target in free agency or in a trade in those areas. Um, I, I think based on the market, I think trade is probably the more likely route that they go. Um, Jaden Schwartz from a free agent perspective is a guy that I like. Um, he's got a little jam in his game. He's, he's got the cup experience. Uh, I think he's what, 28, 27, 28, something like that. So it kind of fits a little bit, but I, I know the Kings would kind of prefer to make additions that are in the mid twenties rather than on the, you know, start approaching the upper twenties. Um, so I think they go more of the trade route. Now it's, it's tough to see what direction they actually go in from a trade side of things right now. Cause we're not really hearing of too many guys that are openly available. We will, because I, I think once we get closer to July later this month with all the expansion draft talk and everything, I was talking to a guy in Seattle today, and the, I think the anticipation is that by the end of this month, there's going to be a ton of discussion with a ton of teams. So I think there's going to be a lot of options that are going to be presented to L.A. and to other clubs because teams are looking to kind of help their situation with the expansion draft, aren't only going to be talking to Seattle. They're going to be talking to other clubs as well, like L.A., like Detroit, like whomever that's willing to take on a little bit of money if they're incentivized to do that. So I think that'll kind of play a bit of a factor here, guys. But, um, you know, trade perspective, it's tough. Like, I I would have pursued Zach uh, Zach Wierenski, quite honestly, um, until the Seth Jones news came out. (laughs) So that's probably not going to happen. Seth plays the same side as Drew, so that's not going to really work out. Um, you're not going to pay a premium for that. So, uh, I, yeah, the left side is, is certainly an area that they want to they want to help out and and fix both on the left wing and um and the left D side on, on their top pair. Now they said they like their decor, and I like most of the pieces that that the Kings have on the blue line. Um, but they, they could use somebody to play with Drew more consistently. And and I think that's going to be a priority for them this summer. Cool, cool. Yeah, so that kind of will segue perfectly. We have a couple listener questions here yeah. uh, for you we want to throw out. Uh, Blake D. from the IE, he wants to ask you, <laughs> we just mentioned, uh, set with the Seth Jones to L.A. rumors swirling around lately, hypothetically speaking, what type of package would the Kings need to put together for him? Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think that's like a, you have Drew. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't overpay for Seth Jones because you, I mean, unless they're playing together, but 
they play the same side. So yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I would look for someone on that left side. Like Wierenski would be the guy again, but if they're going to trade Jones, they're not, they're not moving Wierenski. So I would kind of look around. But like the Kings have – they're in a good position because they've got such a deep cover right now of, of kids. And not every single one of these guys is going to be playing for the Kings. Like in terms of guys that are going to progress to the NHL level, some of these guys are going to be packaged to be moved – so that you can bring in some immediate help. And I think we're maybe another year away from that being a, a, a real consistent thing in LA. But I think if they can find the right pieces, that that's something that they're going to look to do. Um, you know, looking around the league right now off the top of my head, I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I got to think about it and then I can tweet <laughs> it. But um, you're going to want someone on the left. Like I know Jones is the name. And mm-hmm. you know, he spends he spends time in the off season in LA, you know his agents from there mm-hmm. uh, and all that. So he's 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 got a good foundation in in LA. Um, I just I wouldn't overpay for him if I'm if I'm the Kings. Uh, I would look to somebody else. Yeah, I agree. Just just from everything you mentioned, I mean, and not even Drew Doughty. I mean, you look at the Kings prospect pipeline down on mm-hmm. the right side; it's just fully loaded. I mean. Yep. Grands is there. Brock Faber's there. Sean Dursey, Jordan Spence. So yeah, I don't, I don't see Seth Jones, but like you said, Zach Rowenski, if, if I were the Kings, I would make that deal, but that can kind of lead to our next question is from one of our more favorite listeners named Richard Sarabia. Our good pal, Scott Kenville likes to mention his uh, handle. So I'll mention it for him is <laughs> at dirty underscore Harry. So, <laughs> but nice. he, yeah, he wants to know if you're the GM for the Kings, with all the cap space and prospects, what moves would you make to improve the team? Um, I know we talked about like a second line left winger. Um, mm-hmm. I like what Iafalo brings. I would go after a first line left winger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 he's not a first line left winger. Um, he's a hell of a player, um, but you know. I would pursue somebody a little bit uh, of, a, of, a, of a stronger offensive pedigree from that side of things. Um, they got to figure out who's playing center. I think that's, that's another priority for this team. Is it going to be Velarde? Is it Turcotte? Is it Byfield? Mm-hmm. You know, you, with him and Kopi, one of those three guys has to play center. And the other guy eventually has to, you know, one guy's got to move to the wing. Um, now, personally, I think I would keep I would have Quinton Byfield as center, move Velarde to the right, and you've got, you know, you've got that as your second line, future first line, and you, then you've got Kopitar and Brown for the time being as your top center right wing. For now, you have Eofalo on the left, and you've got Kempe maybe keep on the left with the second line or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, defense is definitely an area. Um like I said, left get somebody on that left side, a veteran guy on the left side. And then I would look to either – I mean, look, perfect world is the first line left winger. Um, but top top two, one or two left winger to add to this to this group. I let Quentin Byfield run with it next season. I think he, you've got to be able to give him an opportunity to play full minutes. Kind of do what you did with, with Gabe this year mm-hmm. where, you know, you gave him a full-time shot. And his, his game progressed as the season – 
moved along. I think that's what you need to do here with, with Quentin Byfield, having played in the A and getting, I think, six games or whatever it was in, in, in the pros, top tier. So left side, um, I would love to be able to find a third line, a two-way third line guy for this club. Um, the center, excuse me. So like what they had down the road. So um, we got, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, I absolutely agree. Yes. Sorry. Yes. But yeah, I absolutely agree. Left wing. Um, it'll be interesting to see what teams um, do at the expansion draft. Like you mentioned, I mean, this will probably probably be one of the more busier off seasons with the last off season kind of being shortened quite a bit and the cap cap problems and everything. But we got one more question for you. Uh, it's from at Stephen Faricoli. He wants to know, given the success of the former AHL San Antonio Rampage, do you see an NHL team moving there or is Houston the obvious location for a team to move to? So I guess more along the lines is with the expansion of Seattle and Vegas, do you, what's the next big team or city you see? Yeah, I, I think Houston's the one. Um, I think Houston is, is kind of next in line at the moment in terms of next big NHL city. Um you know, a backup to either move somebody or, you know, I, and look, the, the league's really stable right now. I just, I don't see a scenario where any team leaves. I think there was talk that if Carolina, things didn't work out in Raleigh, that at the time, this was a few years ago, that Houston would be a backup plan there. I haven't heard much of that talk lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, down the road in terms of next in line right now, I would say certainly Houston. Um, we'll see where things go. I think Houston would be ahead of San Antonio, no question. Um, and I'm, I've actually I've never been to Houston. I've been to San Antonio. Um, love the place. I just think Houston, from a from a just a greater market perspective, is is probably aligns better with what the NHL would be looking for. Uh, but we're we're a ways away from that, even on a relocation perspective, because all the teams are pretty stable. Yeah. Yeah, that all sounds good. Um, is that all we have, Russell, in terms of listener questions? Yeah, I think that was all the questions that we had. All right. Yeah, so um, just to kind of close, you know, Dave, I want to thank you for hopping on with us. Uh, I know the the games are going on right now, so it's probably a little tough to, yeah. <laughs> to come on, but we, we've been looking forward to this for quite some time. So no, This was awesome. Um, I, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, and uh, so appreciate I just it. wanted to thank you for hopping on with us. and. Um, yeah, thanks. You got it. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dave. Have Thank a good one, Dave. That was Dave Panyota, the fourth period. Sorry, Scott, you threw me off. Scott, Scott Kinville has joined us now. He he joined and he threw me way off. Just his face threw me off. <laughs> you know, that's not the first time I've heard that either. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question for Dave and then you signed in and I completely forgot my question. <laughs> I got all flustered. Well, like that. What can I tell you? Yeah, we got we got a lot of good info from Dave. Uh, yeah, a lot of great stuff. I, and I cannot like, wait like to you. listen to the playback. Yeah, looking forward to a busy off season. That's for sure. So it'll be fun. Cool. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, my uh, my full time job interfered with uh, me getting on there on time tonight. So uh, I thought it was going to be a thought it was going to be a nice classroom training, and it turned out to be a full fledged uh, abandoned building, full operation. Yeah, it was. And I'm sweating right now. So for, for our <laughs> listeners, Scott's a, Scott's a porn star. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, boy, it's a good thing. My wife doesn't listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to yeah. 
dive into some Kings talk there, Ryan and Scott? Let's do yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess we can dive right into the world championships that are going on and happened this morning. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say the USA is just looking dominant. They're they're like the Colorado Avalanche of the world championships right now. <laughs> you know, well, they, because they, they, they got the best goalie. Yeah, exactly. yeah, right. Exactly. Cal and Trevor Moore chipped in another two points today. Christian Willan had two more two assists. Uh, I guess the bigger news out of that is uh, status of Matt Roy. Um, yeah. I guess I, I wasn't able to watch it, but our uh, our good friend Ryan Cowley said the injury didn't look too bad. So uh, here's hoping. I guess if there's anyone to worry about, it'd be Matty Paneers. That injury did not yeah. look good against yeah, the Yeah, that looks a little tough. Yeah, that right ankle. It was going a lot of ways that probably shouldn't be gone. So we'll see if yeah, he's able definitely. to come back. Definitely. And, you know, I mean, they said that Matt Roy is day-to-day. So that's a that's a good sign. I mean, right. You know, there's, and, and we all know with hockey, they like to play smoke and mirrors with injury reports and all that. But for the World Championships, there's really no reason to. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. talking about the NHL where we're trying to hide how injured our players are, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, but I guess the the other the other item is that uh, USA and Canada will be meeting again this Saturday. So we're going to have, uh, well, depending if if Roy gets in there, we likely have seven Kings players in action again. Yeah, wow. it should be it That's should right. be an entertaining game. I mean, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure Cal Peterson will be back in net, so it would be fun to watch uh, Sean Walker, Jaron Anderson, Dolan, and Gabe Velarde try to take a stab at trying to get past the formidable. Cal Peterson now, so it should be an entertaining game. The only thing, the only problem I had is the scheduling of it. I mean, you have the only two North American teams playing each other, and you give them the earliest time slot. And just that didn't really make much sense. It's at I know, yeah, on the East Coast, and like, yeah, okay, well, but at <laughs> four a.m. on the Pacific time, so right with the two teams that have the the most Kings representatives on it, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah right. I'm sure they weren't really thinking of us when they scheduled it. But yeah, exactly. Yes. Thanks a lot guys. <laughs> yeah. Maybe get an email or something, but yeah, looking forward to a good game and the other semifinal uh, with uh, Finland and Germany should be good too, with uh, Kim Noisianen and um, Boy Mata playing for Finland. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta be honest guys. I'm a little concerned about Mata and maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't Mata, what I, what I think. Um, Ooh, yeah. Oh, boy. This is why I, I don't post, Scott. I thought we'd go a full season without <laughs> making that joke. But I guess, well, we're, we're in the offseason, so I guess it's warranted. But, yeah. yeah he just hasn't good. He hasn't done anything. Like, uh, working with a, a Finnish translator to get some of these interviews that are being pumped out to understand what they're saying, and he this guy's tweeting at me, you know, he's basically, uh, Ole Mata's, like, disappeared. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah. all season long, I was waiting for him to score a goal. And he never did. He had four assists all year. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. That's kind of the how he was with the Kings this year. He was just kind of there. I mean, that's sometimes you you hear that's what's good about defensemen is if you don't hear much about him. But I guess for a more veteran player like Ole Mata on a young Kings on a young Kings blue line, you kind of were expecting a little bit more, and it didn't really come to fruition. Yeah, and I mean, and especially you're you're expecting a little more offense out of him, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not like he's like you said a rookie. Yeah, and he's proven exactly. that he can provide some offense when needed. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just it never happened. So, to be yeah. honest with you, I would not be surprised at some point, probably you know, after training camp or something, to see him on waivers. 
I, I think so that's going to happen. It's just it's so disappointing because he had what like he had uh, six points for the Blackhawks in the playoffs last year. Yeah, yeah, hey, it looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean, he I... he was with um, Connor Murphy. I believe he was paired with. Mm-hmm. You know, just like come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Kings do with him um, in terms of maybe just buying him out. I know the left side is the talk of. King's acquisitions department, but um, I'm sure Ole Mata would be the odd man out if any deal were to happen with oh, yeah. um, Bjorn Foot and Mikey Anderson already on the left side. So we'll see. Right. Uh, but yeah, other King's news, I guess that happened uh, yesterday was finding out exactly where they were going to be in the upcoming draft. Um, they were already pegged at number eight and that's where they ended up staying. So I guess we can kind of start doing a bunch of mock drafts. I know Ryan sent me that, that mock draft website and now I'm, I've been on it all day. So <laughs> thanks Ryan for not letting me do any of my work, but Scott, that's cool. there, uh, Russ, you're like a click enhance. Exactly. That's not who I wanted. Enhance. Like how many times do I have to take to get to number one? But yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I, yeah. I did that uh, the draft lottery thing uh, a couple weeks ago, and it took me like four or five tries before I got the first pick. And yesterday it was like click, click, click twenty times, and finally got the first pick. I was like, all right, we at least have a chance now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I tell you though, it, it's interesting. I mean, I well, for one thing, Seattle was really the only team that moved up. They went from three to two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, uh, I was you know, watching it out. Sorry, Scott. I was I was watching oh, no, it uh, just outside on my uh, the patio on my phone, um, and it was like they're rattling rattling off the teams. I was like, "Are they just reading off the odds here?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. They get the right cards. Yeah, yeah. but, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I, out of all drafts that have taken place, probably in the last five or ten years, this is probably the the one where if you win number one overall, yeah, Owen Power, yeah, he's a great player, but yeah, there's not really that generational type talent that's there. That you're you're not trying to get a Nathan McKinnon or a Connor McDavid there at number one overall. So to stay pat at eight, it's almost like it kind of gives Kings fans a lot more to talk about this offseason. I mean, last offseason, all we talked about was Quentin Byfield or Tim Stutz, Tim Stutzla. So now we have a lot more options now to going into uh, who the Kings would take. But yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, I was just going to say, even like the rumors around, you know, the two last year, I think, you know, Stutzla seemed more like a long shot than Byfield mm-hmm. just from everything that we were hearing. But yeah, this year, I mean, uh, it, it, one team reaches for a guy that they like and just chaos is going to completely ensue beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we can do all the mock drafts we want and pick player here, pick player there. I mean, but, who knows exactly what's going to happen, but I guess we can, but let's just do it anyway. Why not? <laughs> but uh, so Ryan, I mean, we'll start with you. Who, who do you want to see the Kings take with number eight? Or what do you want to see the Kings do at number oh, eight? Oh boy. Um, I mean, I, I would love if Luke Hughes fell all the way down there and no offense to you, Scott, I, I don't see that happen happening. Um, <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that said, I think, probably a best player available approach is probably what they're going to do. I mean, if I had to pick a guy right now that I think would be on the board, I, I'm going to go with Ken Johnson out of Michigan. Um, oh, you stole my pick. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I also really like Dylan Gunther. He's just uh, he's lightning on wheels. He can score. He's a point per player game, and um, this year and last, and I uh, was just looking at his stats before he hopped on here. You know, twelve goals, twelve assists in the shortened twenty four um, WHL season, and he had fifty nine points in fifty eight games last year. He just it kind of stepped into a leadership role this year to uh, named an alternate captain for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, I'm rambling here, but where I'm going with this is the guy can just flat out score. If mm-hmm. if if he's still on the board, Brant Clark. And I know you're not a fan of that, Russ. So go ahead and just tear me down, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we were talking with with Dave earlier. It's just I, I've I've heard the name, and he's a a great player. I mean, we're talking about probably the first, second best defenseman in the draft, I would say. But the thing is, is that, I mean, look at what the Kings have done on the right side the last couple of years in the draft. I mean, Brock Faber, second round pick, Helg Grand, second round pick. We just picked up Sean Dursey in the, in um, one of the Toronto trades. I can't remember which one, but um, yeah, the Muslim yeah. trade. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then you have Matt Roy and Drew Doughty that's already there. So I hear, I hear the Brent Clark to LA rumors or talk, but that's not just where I would go. Um, how about you, Scott? Where, what would you do with the eighth pick? Okay. So here I've been thinking about this all day long, right? So I'm sweating. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, honestly, the eighth pick you're, you, to me, you have one of two options because the two guys that I want are not going to be there. Luke Hughes or William Eklund. Scott's going Scott's gonna to draft a kicker. That's right. <laughs> that is right. And I'm going to win that fantasy football. <laughs> Sorry, wrong sport. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, the Kings have one of two options. You either trade up to try to get Luke Hughes or you trade the pick. And trade, trade down or whatever, right? Because uh, to me, at eight, they're not going to – I mean, don't get me wrong. They're going to get a good player. They are. But with the other pressing needs that they have, and there's really nobody that's NHL ready, if they're mm-hmm. going to take the next step next season, that pick can actually help them get the players that they need to start emerging next year. Let's be honest. I mean, it's just it's the way it is. The, the prospect pool is so loaded. They got so many kids coming through, and they're going to have to make room at some point. Why? Why? Why jam it more and, and the you know, the hope that, okay, in a few years, this player is going to be great when, you know what, they got a chance to start making some noise right now. Strike with the iron's hot. So I say that if you can't get the Luke Hughes, trade the pick for some, you know, help that you can use now. Scott, just to kind of play devil's advocate, I, I wrote about today looking at the last 10 eighth overall picks. And what I found was the average – um, NHL de- debut time, and granted, that's just their debut. That's not when they've reached their full potential. Mm-hmm. Um, was either opening night or within 18 months. Question is, can you wait that long if it's 18 months? Yeah, and that's, well, here's that's, the thing: are you going to wait? Are you going to wait 18 months for somebody who's going to be a potential third line or third pair defenseman or fourth liner? Right, when you can use that pick right now to get help, established help that you know could possibly step into a top six role. They could step into a top four defense role. That's the thing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I agree. And that's kind of why I don't see – I mean, even even if Luke Hughes is there, which I, I think everyone's kind of pegging him to go to the New Jersey just to play with his brother. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we're talking about a 17-year-old. I mean, he's still going to be playing his freshman year in Michigan next year. So, 
Um, I, I don't see Luke Hughes falling to the Kings, but I mean, like you mentioned, Ryan, Ken Johnson, that's, that's the player. I mean, I watch, I watch his tape. I've seen him play. It, he's, he's a, an outstanding playmaker and he's a, a, a really entertaining player to watch. And I, I had someone on Twitter, I think it was at uh, Anderson underscore 1777. I want to make sure I get that right. Cause they mentioned that they mentioned Trevor Zegris as a comparable and I was like, wow, that's that's spot on. I mean, Trevor Zegras was drafted ninth overall. So right. if if the Kings, I mean, and, and that's the kind of player I see when I watch Kent Johnson. So if you compare Kent Johnson with a player like Quentin Byfield, if Kent Johnson is available, I think Kent Johnson can be, I think all three Michigan players are the three best players in the draft, to be honest with you. I think Owen Power, Matty Beneers, and Kent Johnson are the three best players. Um, right. But I will say, I, I threw this out the, out there on Twitter yesterday. Kind of created a little bit of a stir, but if Ken Johnson's not there, and they're not trading the pick, and Jesper Walset is still there, I'm taking him. I mean, we're talking about a generational talent in net, probably the best prospect since Carey Price or Mark Andre Fleury. Um, and the King, like you guys have said, the Kings have they're loaded in the prospect pool. I mean, forwards, go down the line. Defensemen, go down the line. But we don't really have that number one goalie in the future. And Cal Peterson is going to be 27 next year. So why not lock up the future in net? Yeah. And Russ, just to kind of uh, piggyback on what you're saying, um, you know, I give you a hard time about it, but you just said it. Cal Peterson's almost tw- almost 27. Uh, Wallstead is 18. You know, by the time he's ready and reaches his full potential, it'll be, what, 25? So yeah. Cal Peterson would be 34, almost 35. You know, kind of right. – transitioning or uh, flip-flop uh, that with the quick Peterson situation right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm still remembering the days of roaming Chekmonik and Dan Kluche when the Kings couldn't buy a goaltender. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we've kind of gotten away from that. Let's not revisit those days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, luckily we got Bill Ranford, who's one of the best goaltending coaches in the league. But, I mean, it seems like we've had a good – we've had pretty good luck with goaltending. But, yeah, let's, let's shore up that uh, spot in net and – once Cal Peterson's ready to move on, or even if um, Wallstead does is ready to take over at 21 or 22, maybe just bring him on in and see what he can do. Look what Spencer Knight was able to do in his playoff game debut with uh, Florida. So, yeah, I say make that goalie pick and take the risk. You already have that prospect full loaded up, so take the risk. You know, you said something very interesting, Russell, and it, it really made me stop and think when you were talking about Kent Johnson and the comparison to Trevor Zegers. Mm-hmm. And yes, Trevor Zegers was definitely drafted at number nine. But here's a question for you. If Trevor Zegers was in this draft, you think he'd go higher than nine? Uh, yeah. I would think so. I mean, yeah, I would say probably top five, probably. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, we're looking at it's it's hard. I mean, I've like I think John Butchergrass from ESPN mentioned something about like, oh, the Kings are going up to. I wonder if they made the right decision drafting Quentin Byfield with Tim Slutza and Alex Turcott. I'm like, OK, well. Turcott hasn't even played an NHL game yet. I mean, <laughs> Quinn Byfield's barely even cracking. He's probably going to have a better career than Stutzla. But, yeah, I mean, if Zegers probably were if, – if they were to redraft, I'm sure he'd go top five. But, I mean, I've seen mock drafts from some of the high-profile sc- uh, amateur scouts and everything that have Ken Johnson following all the way down to 10. So, I mean, if he's there, I think you have to – I think you have to grab him. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was talking about Zegers in this draft. Yeah. If in this, oh, in this draft? In, in this oh, draft, yeah, he's, he's in this draft. Yeah, think, yeah, absolutely. I think he's right up there with Matty Beneers and Owen Power. Right. So, I mean, if, if Johnson compares to him, 
Mm-hmm. And is anything like him, then yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, that could be a hell of a pick at, at number eight. Yeah. Here's the thing, guys. We're going to get Owen Power from Buffalo in like four years anyway. So let's just let the chips <laughs> yeah, fall. So, someone's going to get him. Someone's gonna is get him. this before or after we trade for Darlene? I just want to know. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now we're off the rails. <laughs> there we go. I'll get us back on. So I guess we got one more bit of King's news uh, that we haven't touched on since it happened. Um, I think it was about a week ago. Uh, Vladimir Kachev uh, was signed to a one-year entry-level deal. Uh, I, I don't have the number on top of me right now or written down, but yeah, it's a solid right shot left wing playing for uh, St. Petersburg in Russia in the KHL. Um, from what I've seen, outstanding player. I mean, really, really talented player with a puck on his stick. Um, from a lot of the scouting reports I've read, it, it seems like that um, some players will say that he's not the best player deep in the corners or along the boards. Um, but when he's in the middle of the ice and open ice, I mean, we've seen the highlights that King's Twitter has shared. I mean, he's making great dangles across the middle and his zone entries are, are perfect on the power play. So where do you, where do you guys see him slotting? Or I guess we'll go with you, Ryan. Yeah. So just real quick. I mean, I, I touched base with Dylan Griffin of uh, elite prospects who, um, he kind of watches some of the, the Russian players, so I just got his opinion. Um, he said he's a fantastic puck protector who is nearly impossible to knock off possession at times, which is, I mean, surprising because he's, what, 150, 157 pounds? Mm-hmm. Um, scans well along the boards to find the right passing option, competent on defense, keeping his body in front of his man, enforcing play wide or stepping up his stick to try to poke it free. I think he'll be a fine bottom six plug with good play making upside. Um it's so tough to to tell from these players uh, coming overseas, but I I I like to see him in the in the bottom six. I don't think he's a a, a top six. I hope I'm wrong on that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he breaks camp with the Kings and how that uh, the ripple effect on everyone else <laughs> vying for a roster spot. Mm-hmm. I guess to to answer your question, I don't really have an answer. For you i just kind of a wait and see yeah that's yeah, kind well, of I mean, my thought think, on it too go ahead scott you know russ i think you actually put a tweet out about it uh yesterday in regards that even if he doesn't if he doesn't make the kings there is a european out contract contract clause yeah he did, he'd be willing to play in the ahl mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and he, that one-year deal is actually for uh, nine hundred twenty-five thousand. so it's not like it's going to be a major cap hit against the kings if he if he sticks around so for me, what with him, it depends on what the Kings do this offseason. If they go out and get that big name left winger, he may start in the AHL because it's just going to be a logjam, right? If they don't, he's got a shot. I mean, start him off on the third line, see what he can do. If he hits, great. If he doesn't, it's a one year contract. You can send him back to the AHL, you can go back to Russia, whatever. But, I mean, he does at least have professional experience playing in the KHL. Which, as we've seen with guys like Kirill Kiprasov, you know that that actually means something now because the KHL is actually you know the number two or three, whoever you ask, league in the entire world. So there is something to be said for that. Yeah, and so it, we've talked. Sorry, Ryan, but we've talked about it. Um, I mean, we we never really saw the Kings signing a lot of free agents just because we they, we didn't want to see them blocking off those prospects that are coming up. So. When the when the Kachev deal came in, it was like, okay, well, that's just another player who's. I mean, he's going to be a rookie, 
going into the NHL. It could be the next Kaprasov, who knows, but he's going to be a rookie now coming up, and it's just a free agent signing that the Kings got without giving away any pieces. So now where does he fit, like you mentioned, Ryan? Yeah, and um, I just have the, the sense that he's going to start in the AHL. I know that he played in the queue uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years. Long time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it was Jordan Spence's old team. Um, but uh, I just have a feeling that he'll get acclimated in the AHL and then brought up later when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, and that yeah, which Q- makes perfect sense. In- yeah, and that Q and A I read that was in all Russian, where I had to learn Russian <laughs> for this morning, which was which was fun. But um, yeah, I mean that was one of the more interesting things I saw when when I saw the European assignment clause in his deal. I was like, okay, well, if he doesn't make it, he's just gonna go go back. But when he was asked that question, he said, no, I'm if I don't make it, I'm gonna work my way back to the Kings roster. And I thought that was pretty telling. But another thing that I saw in the interview also was that the Kings were had been looking into him for like two years now. Yeah. So I think they said yeah. that the assistant general manager even flew out there to go talk to him a couple of years ago. So he was still under his contract with KHL, so he wasn't able to go anywhere in the NHL. So the Kings definitely had their tabs on him. So I'm not sure. Maybe – I mean, I, I've read a lot of stuff. I'm, I know more about Russian hockey now than I probably ever had before. Just <laughs> and and Russian – in and the Russian, Russian language. Yeah. yeah. I've drank a oh, lot of vodka and vodka. Yeah, vodka. Well, I already knew a lot about vodka, but um, but yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I mean, I don't know. It, from to hear the Kings scouting this player as much as they were, the KHL apparently has one of the the best analytical um, tracking metrics that I've read about. That's just recently come into play this past year, where they have chips in players' jerseys and chips and pucks where. They can kind of track players. To, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that's gone on the KHL. And then the KHL hmm. actually switched to NHL-sized rinks to help him win the, in the Olympics and the World Cup and all that just recently. So he has, he's been playing on the North American-sized rinks for a couple years now. So Oh, wow. It, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it, so it'll be interesting to see where he slots. I mean, from, from what I've seen, I, like, like Dave Pagnota mentioned, uh, Jordan, Jaden, or Jordan Swartz, Jaden Swartz, I'm sorry, uh, being a, a player that the Kings could bring in, I think this is that Jaden Swartz. I think this is that depth scoring that the Kings were looking for on the bottom six and definitely an upgrade over possibly a Grunstrom or an Austin Wagner on the bottom six pairing or bottom six lines. You know what I think it says? I think it says nobody's spot is guaranteed even to the prospects. Mm-hmm. That's what I think it says. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know nobody's going to be given a spot. Everyone's going to work for it. And I think this just applies a little bit more pressure to everyone. Mm-hmm. Good, good pressure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's it's just fun to get this off season going. And, and so far, there's Kings. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff going on, and it's going to be a lot more. So, looking forward to it. It, it is, but it's just like you know, we dive immediately into um, <laughs> the the draft and potential trades and stuff like that you know meanwhile it's round one of the stanley cup playoffs i hate this feeling this sucks but yeah what really sucks is the team we were squeezing for got eliminated so yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry manny <laughs> <laughs> oh man Oh, I thought he was going to chat. I thought he was going to cut it. I was like, oh, I I woke the sleeping bear. (laughs) (laughs) 
All uh, I gotta say is I tablet cheated. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Let's guy. be honest here. They found they found flaws in the system. They exploited it. Obviously, there's no rule on it. I'm sure the NHL saw what they were doing, but hey, good they for them. Yeah, they can't do anything about it. That's a team that'll be interesting to watch this offseason because I don't see how they escape that cap situation. So maybe the Kings can get um, a Blake Coleman or something like that from them. Or Sergachev. That would be in their part. Or just you know, half, half their roster. By the way, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so guys, a quick question. So when Montreal ended up beating Toronto and all this talk by the, by the Leafs fans, oh, Mitch Marner, oh, he's garbage. Oh, I don't want him. <laughs> listen, he would listen, and I do agree with Russell because Russell Morgan he actually posted a picture with a Kings jersey <laughs> and it said Marner on the back. That sounds like a pretty good ring to it. I'd rather have him than uh, Jack Eichel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about a scoring winger that the Kings desperately mm-hmm. need. And I don't know, Pagnotto mentioned, mentioned that he doesn't see the Leafs moving Marner, I don't know. I I could definitely see them doing that. I mean, I, Marner's obviously a, one of the best uh, wingers in the NHL, mm-hmm. um, but he's got a big, big contract. I mean, we're talking close to $11 million for, I think, next four or five years. So that's definitely hampering the Leafs' ability to bring in some secondary scoring or some quality defense that they definitely need. So, I don't see them moving a Nylander because Nylander's only signed for, I think, six or seven million. So where do you go? You got to move Marner and bring in some good depth pieces or good um, defensemen to shore up that blue line. Acquiring a, a Marner or an Eichel, though, would limit what the Kings can do cause, uh, in terms of the cap, though. In free I mean, agency, I, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, you'd have to wait till a Dustin Brown or a, a Jonathan Quick comes off the books, however that may be, expansion draft, or the contract expires in itself. Um, so I guess the question is, is Rob and Luke ready to make that type of commitment if they're feeling like this team is ready for that, right? Because we have all these prospects. Everyone knows this. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> be honest, uh, it's be interesting. I mean, to your, at the, by the by the same token, Manny, I think you have a point there. I think uh, the front office can start to sense the the frustration. You know, TV ratings were what, what were they, Russ? Like second worst. I think they're twenty ninth. Uh, yeah, yeah, not um, not good, not good, not good, and like eighteen percent drop from last year, I believe, were the numbers. Um, I mean, but, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be the Blues and have to play Colorado. <laughs> 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 like. Like, you know, I'm still here, you know, it's it's crazy because I think Ryan, he said it best. We're towards the end of the first round of the playoffs, and we had a little bit higher expectations in this, especially the way that they started. But obviously, you are who you are towards the end, and this team just had no gas. They had no energy, and it just seemed like, you know, the – what was it again, um, Scott? Eight-game winning streak, nine-game winning streak. That we were riding, and points were coming, and we were excited. And then, oh, six-game, right? Uh, six-game. Six Look at me, eight, nine-game. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And then we got <laughs> too excited. And then – By the way, all of these fans talking crap about Soupy should just never watch hockey again. <laughs> I am so sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's not, definitely not his fault. And I think all the – all the point of blame is going to Matthews and Marner. And I mean, as well as it should be, they're the two best players on the team and they didn't show up in the playoffs. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it right. happens time yeah. to time, but. And they're Leafs fans. So. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I still at least Twitter had been entertaining. There's no doubt. About oh yeah. yeah, you could probably make oh. a Netflix series out of it. <laughs> I do wonder where that series ranks. I'd love to pull like a, a a handful of Leafs fans in terms of where that that loss ranks in terms of the all time disappointments. Um, you know, obviously a recency bias might have a, a little say in that, but you know, you see the game six, the the guy walking around the uh, the Bell Center outside of it, saying, "Enjoy your last game." You know, the, <laughs> the guy, uh, the tucked in uh, sweater, <laughs> yeah, full like, tuck. Definitely, yeah. that was an interesting choice. I wonder if it's more disappointing than the '93 Campbell Conference Finals Game Seven. I don't oh, know. There you go. Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, just to just to touch up on uh, that LTIR that Manny was talking about, I will say that the Lightning did learn from the best, though, because if you recall, basically the same thing happened to them in 2015 with the Hawks. Yeah, Patrick because Kane. they kind of manipulated the Patrick Kane deal, mm-hmm. right? And he miraculously was back and ready to go by game one. You know, yeah. the first round of the playoffs, and what happened happened. I mean. It is. It's a loophole. And if the league cared to do something about it, they were going to do it in the last CBA because now you can't anyway. Really? Right. Yeah. Because there's yeah, no mean, way <clears throat> that the players every, are going to agree to anything as far as that goes out. So, yeah. I mean, every team can do what the Tampa Bay Lightning did. I mean, that's where I'm, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, I don't, exactly. I don't see any fault with what they're doing. If it's in the rules, it's in the rules and everyone else can do the same. So, yep. Yeah. Cause if they came from the same position, you know. <laughs> we'd, yeah. look, we'd turn yeah. the other way as well. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I can't wait to get to that position where we can sit our best player. <laughs> for so, <laughs> just to, just to kind of close, guys, um, now that the Panthers are out of the playoffs, who are you guys pulling for? My Eastern Conference pick is the Islanders. And in the West, I'm looking at Colorado. They're just so fun to watch. I can't mm-hmm. help it. Yeah, I'm with you, Scott. I mean, I've I've always been a big Nathan McKinnon fan, and yeah, playoff Nathan McKinnon. We saw him in the bubble last year, and now this year he's just doing the same thing. I mean, I've heard people talk about like, oh, well, there's no Crosby, there's no McDavid, there's no Matthews, and I'm like, well, to be honest with you, McKinnon's a more fun to player to watch than all three of those. I mean, I, yeah. maybe maybe McDavid's a little bit pretty fun to watch too, but yeah, Nathan McKinnon is is a superstar in the, in the league and definitely a top five player at least. So. Yeah, when and that's and that's the scary part. I mean, that that Avs team that we're looking at the next Detroit Red Wings. I mean, that team is oh, built. Yeah. They're young and they're built long term. I know, so, and they got the cap space too. Yeah, they're going to be scary. What better way to promote forward. a new star, right? Than having yeah. Nathan McKinnon in without without the Crosby there, without the you know uh, David. I mean, it, it gives the league a chance to showcase a new star. They just have, have they have play. so many people that can score on that team, and I mean to kind of to my my answer is the, the Avalanche for um, the the West. I, I don't care that they were in our modified division this year; they're so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Out of the East, I got to go with the Canes, guys. I, I, I mm-hmm. they're a fun team to watch. Scott, hold it. <laughs> I, I, I am love, checking on the score. By the way, it's two it's two. two to two. Yeah, I just checked. Okay. It. I love. They're black jerseys, guys. Those are so sweet. Well, I'm sure they're. <laughs> I am. I am sure they're fans zone. They're 0 2 so far in this series with the mod. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, real, real quick. Uh, and the Abs enforcer and Kadri is not even playing yet. I yeah, mean, right. once he yeah, comes back and he creates that energy, hopefully, listen, just play smart, right? But so right. much like a couple of years ago, everybody was so concerned about Matt Duchesne leaving. Oh, can Nate McKinnon carry this team? And 
Jesus, yeah. like like Joe Sacking and company have built an, an, an oil machine for years and years to come. And yeah. I hope Luke and Rob are realizing this because that team's not going anywhere. Neither is right. Vegas. Duck suck, shark suck. Right. Like at some point you're going to have to make a move and you're going to have to create yourself an identity. Cause right now the LA Kings do not have that. And if right. stars listen, any star, listen, what are the main cities that they want to go to? Let's be honest here. Is it Miami, LA, you know, even, you know, for hockey, you know, even the Blackhawks per se, but still like at some point, this team has to have an identity and it has to start soon. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, those teams are not going to go anywhere anytime soon. And now you have Seattle to worry about, right? So that should be uh, fair. You know, along those lines, Manny, think about the advantage that the Rangers have, right? True. They got Panera to come, to come just because he wanted to play on Broadway. He took a lesser contract. Same thing for Adam Fox. They got Adam Fox because he said, that's the only place I want to play. Same goes for Jacob Truba. So you're right. If L.A. can create that kind of a, an identity, then obviously it's going to be a destination, really. And it really it wasn't that long ago, guys, that the Avalanche were pretty a pretty bad team. You know, you look mm-hmm. back at 2016, 2017 was the last time they didn't make the playoffs. The following year, they lost in the first round to the, the Preds. Next year, they won in the first round, lost in the second round. You get the picture. They're moving up. Uh, that's what we're going to start to see happen with the Kings. They're going to eventually make the playoffs, going to get a little bit more experience, and gonna keep going, taking that next step. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I hope. Yeah. I, I, think it'll, I, think, <laughs> I think that identity that you're looking for, manual will be built in this offseason. So should be fun to see. And, you know, I just wanted to say one thing real quick. And I don't know if you guys talked about this, obviously, because I was late. But, you know, that game two, Vegas and Colorado, Vegas played about as good as game as they could possibly play. Alex Tuck had one of the most greatest part, shapes I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, the, the funny part is, is that Colorado pretty much played like garbage for a lot of that game and they still won. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vegas played as good as they could play and Colorado didn't turn it on until, you know, later on, obviously, but to, you know, to get that the game winning goal in overtime. So Colorado's a scary team. They're, they're just, they're, they're scary. And I, I don't see anybody stopping them. To be honest with you. I would just like to know that half of the people on this chat right now, were not on screen at the start of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like the, the Brady Bunch. Here. Yeah, it's the Brady Bunch just popping up in different screens. <laughs> yeah. well, the Hockey Royalty Podcast is expanding its waistline. <laughs> so do oh, we yeah. want to wrap? Let's let's wrap up, guys, right? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. I, I stink. I need sure. to take a shower. Yeah. It's all you, Ryan. You're the host. I'm yeah. the wrap up? There all you right. go. You're done. Yeah, it. so, I mean, despite... Our rambling after Dave Panyota was our guest tonight. If you guys can remember that far back, <laughs> uh, but no, he was a great guest. We got a lot of good information from him. Um, yeah, so we're about an hour and twenty-one minutes. You know, for for Ryan Sykes, for Russell Morgan, for Scott Kinville. I just want to thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys, and go Kings, go. Yeah.